When April and Ben are stuck in traffic, April puts in one of Ben's CDs. What song plays? Answer at the end of the episode. The Citizens of Pawnee. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. Dad, Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gengerich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian and I'll be your host. This is episode number 64 being recorded Sunday, April 9th, 2023. And today I'm going to be talking about season two, episode two, The Stakeout. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. And just a reminder that this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. So happy Easter to everyone who celebrates. Uh, I guess that would be um, American Easter. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're a couple days late here, but my uh, my family, like the family that I came from, uh, like my siblings and my parents, we, uh, well, we, I grew up celebrating American Easter and they still celebrate that. But since I was married, I was baptized Greek Orthodox and my wife's family uh, predominantly celebrates uh, Orthodox Easter. So we'll be celebrating next week too. So it's pretty sweet. It's kind of like my kids have uh, like step parents. So they get like two Christmases, two Easter's, everything. So they get that with their grandparents, which is pretty sweet. And my wife actually gives epic Easter baskets and I still get one and she still goes like balls out for me. It's awesome. Like she'll, she's, she does just as much for me as she does for the kids. And they're like really thoughtful Easter baskets. And like, I feel bad cause I'll just get her like a gift card, you know, <laughs> but she doesn't, I, I, I know she's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like she's, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> and I'm not just being like a, like a shitty husband, like she doesn't care about that. Like I truly believe her when she tells me like gift cards are fine, <laughs> better than <clears throat> me buying clothing for my wife. So um, speaking of Easter, you know, went over to my parents' house today with the family and we can't, at least for me, like I can't be at an Easter gathering without mentioning the, uh, of course, the amazing scene from canvassing with Tom forgetting the Easter eggs um, again, where he, uh, yeah, I played the clip. I actually covered the episode a few weeks back, but it's when Leslie's talking about how every Easter they do the annual Easter egg hunt. And this year Tom hid the eggs and she's like, wow, this year he did a really great job. And they, sh they show the talking head of him saying like, yeah, I, I forgot to do that. So there's just a bunch of pissed off kids. And yeah, my brother actually, he does the Easter egg hunt. He, he, he does like 40, 50 bucks every year. I mean, like you just change and like lose bills and stuff. It's pretty sweet for my, um, my kids. So, uh, yeah, they have a lot of fun there and there's every year there's like eggs that we don't find. There was one that I got a text from, um, Elf from Melmac when he flew in and stayed by my parents one time. He's like, Hey, we found one of the eggs from last year and it had like a, a pretty like rotted out like five dollar bill so 
Um, I think he just replaced it and gave it to uh, my kids. So that was pretty dope. So anyway, um, yeah, my dad, he had a pretty funny, <laughs> he said when speaking of that, uh, the Tom Haverford eggs thing, what, like right when I got there, I'm usually I'm the one who says it. This is what I was getting to in the first place. Sorry for sidetracking. But my dad, actually, he turned to me and he's like, oh, it's like in Parks and Rec. He's like, when Ron Swanson hid the eggs and kind of did like the elbow thing. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm like, well, it was Tom. But a, a plus for effort, dad, though. It's awesome. Yeah, my parents, I don't know if they watched the entire series, but I, I think like during COVID, they watched a lot of stuff and they still do. But I know they did watch Parks and Rec, so they they're they're familiar with it at least, which is good because since I, I talk about it all the time, and my brother who I was talking to earlier uh, this week, I will probably have him on one of the upcoming shows, maybe like when it gets a little warmer out, and I, uh, I that has nothing to do with, it. but uh, once uh, we since I work at a school, once we go into summer and I have a little more uh, vacation time and stuff, maybe I'll do an episode with him because he's also a huge fan. He's one of the people who kind of got me into the show. So that would be fun. But um, yeah, speaking of my dad, I know you're not listening, but happy birthday. It's coming up this week. Um, I know you're not listening, like I said, but maybe someone can relay the message. (coughs) Elf. All right, let's get into some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. So I don't have a a ton. Um, I watched John Wick 4. Uh, it's freaking long and it's awesome. Just like the other ones. If you haven't watched any of the John Wick movies, I guess, you know, it's not one of those movies where I can be like, you gotta see it. Like you have to have that kind of taste in movies, which is like the gun So it's like a lot of like really quick, like it's basically like Kung Fu, but like with a lot of like headshots, like people getting their brains blown out and, uh, double taps and stuff like that. But these movies are, they're so, there's like little to no plot in all of them. But they're just, they're badass movies. And this one, like I said, it's freaking long. It's like two hours and 45 minutes, something like that. Completely unnecessary. But a movie like this, you're just, you're so engaged and it's so entertaining still with just like little plot, but just like the, like I said, the action of the choreography and awesome is so badass. And, you know, of course, Keanu Reeves is just such a likable actor, even though, man, like, and I, I, I don't know what it is with these movies. Like, I'll say, like Keanu Reeves, I don't think he's a very good actor. I love the movies he's in, but like, you know, you know, Point Break is one of my favorite movies of all time. And even in that, I mean, he like he played that role. And then it was like, I don't know, 20, 30 years later, he's still playing that role. Just very like, yeah, yeah. You know, like in Speed, when he kills Dennis Hopper, spoiler, um, he's just like, well, I'm taller after he knocks his head off. But that's the thing with John Wick, this character. He like he doesn't have a ton of speaking lines, but everything is just like, yeah, what? Well, they they asked if I'm back. Well, I guess I'm back. You know, I and it's like, it, it's like, a, I don't know. It's like, hey, play John Wick. So it's like, yeah, he's playing a character, but it's like, this isn't different acting though, from how he usually does it. So I don't know. I, again, I really like Keanu Reeves a, a lot, but I don't think he's a very good actor. And I don't, I don't think I'm like being outlandish by saying that. So anyway, um, I usually don't talk about my other podcast on this show. Like I'll mention it at the end and stuff, but I usually don't like talk about it but i just wanted to say this week uh, my sister and i covered pet cemetery from 1989 and i just 
we had a, a, a blast covering this movie. So like, if you want to check it out, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a horror copia podcast. We just, yeah, we cover horror movies and we did this one in this movie's fucking bonkers. Like I forgot cause I haven't seen it in a while. I listened to the audiobook maybe two years ago and it was Michael C. Hall from Dexter reading it. So it was just very like monotonous and boring, but uh, the, I mean, it was, I feel like the book would have been a lot better and I did read it, like actually read the physical copy in like seventh grade. So I barely remember it, but my grandma, she, um, she was a huge Stephen King fan and she always tried to get us into it. Me and, um, my sisters and brother. And I read a couple of the Stephen King books. I wasn't a huge fan back then. I love his stuff now. Most of it. Uh, actually, I don't even know if it's most of it cause he's got so much, but, uh, I, I like a lot of his stuff. So anyway, um, but yeah, this movie, like I, I forgot just how violent it gets and just like how outlandish, but it's, it's a fun watch. So, um, <clears throat> if you want to check that out, uh, I would recommend it. Like I said, just a uh, horror copia podcast. And then lastly, I got a message on Instagram from, uh, Teresa Toffel, Toffel. I'm very sorry. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce your last name, but we've talked uh, back and forth on, um, you know, through messenger and she, uh, she told me that she's a little bit behind. Uh, well, she's, she's like 20 episodes behind. She's trying to catch up with all the podcast episodes. She's on episode, uh, 45 or 46. Thank you so much for, um, sitting through a lot of those. I know some of the older ones really sucked and some of the new ones suck too, but anyway, so she sent a message and she was talking about episode 45 uh, on citizens of Pawnee, which was the enemies of Nope. So she said about the episode enemies of Leslie Nope. I think it's hilarious that Leslie has so many enemies or people she considers to be enemies. Like some of them are justified with the people at the library or the Eagletonians. It's just so extreme and ridiculous. But you didn't mention Ben and Leslie in the beginning. So I wanted to ask you, do you consider Leslie and Ben to be enemies that turned into friends that turned into lovers? Um, and then she said, I think so, but only for the very beginning of their work relationship. So I thought this was a, a, a great question because I was I had to go back and think about that episode, The Enemies of Nope. And I actually just went to the thumbnail for, you know, the uh, on the podcast and I had or even on Instagram, I have all the episodes listed there. But I was looking at the pictures that were on there and then I kind of went back and looked at a little of the research. And no, I didn't put Les, uh, Ben as one of Leslie's enemies because like you, Teresa, I agree. Yeah, they were enemies in like two episodes. And enemies is even a stretch. I think maybe in that first episode when they were really like abrasive with each other, you could say it's like, okay, he's a new enemy. But on the, in the second episode, the uh, Freddy spaghetti, which was the season finale for um, season two, they um, Ben actually ended up paying Freddy spaghetti. So it's like, you could tell he was starting to like build up some goodwill with Leslie and Beyond that, I mean, like when season three started, there was a lot of flirty behavior between the two of them. So it, it their animosity from there on, I think most of it came from the fact that they couldn't date and Ben was just he didn't want to do it. Like Leslie was perfectly fine with the relationship they had, but Ben wasn't happy with it. So there was there was some things in there and Ben calling Leslie selfish and whatnot. But I, you know, like because when you think about just some of the other people on the show, like she technically uh she becomes enemies with april in the episode where they're fighting over lot 48 to turn it into a dog park 
And and I, I'm on Leslie's side for that one because April, that, that was a, a kind of one that I, I'll probably talk about it when we get there, but it didn't make a lot of sense for me for April to kind of screw Leslie over like that. Um, if you're unfamiliar, yeah, Leslie, like, again, you know all about Lot 48. That's the pit. She essentially works on Lot 48 through like season six. It's crazy until she finally gets it in Anne's last episode. So it's it's pretty awesome. Like, I love that this story is like, it just goes on that long. However, um, yeah, just the the fact that April's like, she knows how much Leslie wants it, but she's like, well, maybe we'll put a dog park there. Like it's thoughtful of her and it's a good idea, but it's like pick somewhere else. So that, yeah, she fights with Anne a bunch. N- never, not, nothing, I guess, that I would ever say enemy. So, cause her, her and Anne fight about a lot of stuff, you know, when they're drunk and uh, just over the years, they fight over Andy, you know, like uh, not, they don't fight over Andy, but Leslie mentions, you know, how Anne basically waits on him hand and foot, things like that. But I would say as far as like the actual cast, her and Ron were actual enemies. And that's kind of what made me, when she asked about Leslie and Ben, the first thing I thought in my head was like, did I even put Ron in that episode? And I don't think I did because Ron is definitely an enemy of Nope. And we found that out in season seven at the very beginning when it came back from the break, there there was the three-year time jump. So I can't, you know what? I'm pretty sure they showed it. And it was season seven, episode four, Leslie and Ron. That's the one where they patch things up. Actually, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure there's a part in there when they actually give you a timeline. Like Leslie actually writes out like a gigantic timeline on the board but i'm trying to think if they tell you like so you can figure out how long ron and leslie were like not friends because it turned into you know like the misunderstanding like her blowing him off him in my opinion still just like completely overreacting and buying the morning or having ann's house destroyed and going to work for like the enemy company and all that stuff but it, so, like, you don't know how long that feud was, but either way, like, it turned into something really bad to where we saw Ron for the first time in season seven, episode one. And Ben was just like, well, actually, before we see Ron, uh, Ben just says to Leslie, he's like, don't turn around, don't turn around. She's like, why? He's like, because the man you hate, or I forgot exactly what he says, but she's like, he's standing behind you. So she turns around and it's Ron. <clears throat> and we're all like, what the fuck? What happened here? Uh, again, <clears throat> It was only like a four episode arc, but I didn't like it. I didn't like those two fighting. It just, it was weird to me. And, you know, not, especially not in the final season, but again, that final season was kind of wonky. So, uh, yeah, we saw at least three episodes of them fighting. Um, and then maybe like, yeah, I guess even into that episode where they made up uh, episode four and however many years before that. So, that was just one that I definitely missed. So, Teresa, good question. And it really made me kind of go back and think about how much uh, of a failure I am at pointing out Leslie Nope enemies. <laughs> so, let's go ahead and talk about our episode of the week, which is Season 2, Episode 2, The Stakeout, directed by Seth Gordon, written by Greg Daniels, Michael Shore, Rachel Axler, and Harris Whittles. So the cold open starts off when we're at Anne's house. Leslie and Anne are sitting down and uh, Anne is talking about how Mark asked her out on a date and she's just making sure that everything is okay with Leslie. And Leslie, uh, she seems like she's pretty okay with it, but uh, she does say this. You know my code. Hose before bros. Uteruses before deuteruses. Got it. Ovaries before broveries. 
And then uh, next, she is over at the pit next door to Anne's house working on the new community garden. Uh, Tom is down there as well. And whatever Leslie asks him the Latin names of any of the plants, he makes up names that include rappers. So, for example, he's like, ah, oh, those are some ditties. Uh, these here are some bone thugs and harmoniums. And, uh, ooh, those ludicruses are coming in great. So more of this is like kind of Tom is just like always fucking with Leslie like in these early episodes, because they're like kind of working together all the time. They're like partners, like they share an office and stuff. So they're together all the time. But yeah, this is more of just how it's like everything to him has to just be like, hey, I'm going to screw with Leslie. So Leslie then sees what she thinks are carrots, like the top of carrots, the, the little uh, the stem, I guess. And uh, so they showed Tom and he's just got like a puzzled look on his face. And we know that that is not what it is. It's not carrots. So he says to Leslie, uh, well, the best way to find out what that is, is to roll it up into a joint and smoke it. So Leslie is super dumbfounded. And I wanted to uh, speak. I brought up my brother before. I remember we this was actually pretty recently when he brought this up to me that in um, what is it? Uh, the episode Summer Catalog, which is later on in this season. That's the uh, uh, the one when Leslie takes all the former Parks directors out uh, on the picnic and they're all like nasty, like shitheads and like they all fight and everything. So uh, the guy, um, Michael, he's like the hippie one played by Michael Gross, who is uh, Burt Gummer from the Tremors movies. Hell yeah. So he uh, admits at when they're having lunch to planting weed in various community gardens. So that's kind of like, Oh, okay. Cause they never figure out who did it. Like you're led to believe that it might've been Andy because he was living down there, but yeah, apparently it wasn't him. So, uh, good call, Rob. We cut over to city hall. Uh, Leslie is in Ron's office to tell him about the marijuana growing in the pit. And he tells her to call the cops, but she doesn't want to. And, uh, because of the bad press, Ron does not seem to care to care to care and he's acting kind of strange so leslie leaves to to go start her investigation you know she's just like oh well he's like call the cops she's like no no, i don't want to call the cops he's like then don't call the cops she's like i'm gonna start the investigation so he clearly doesn't care but uh so we shortly uh after find out that ron he had a hernia or that he's had a hernia for a while and when he sneezed that morning he pulled something and now he refuses to to move like at all so <laughs> he'll move his hands a little bit but his whole plan because he says he's like oh i've done this before in the past and basically i'm not going to say the whole thing but he basically thinks if he just sits and kind of waits it out that it will heal itself so this episode actually has some really good quotes and um like like for instance uh leslie she's talking to tom who doesn't care in the slightest like about the weed plant she, she tells us she's never smoked weed before because she wants to be president someday. I love the foreshadowing there. But again, we don't know if it's Leslie or Ben who's president. But uh, the quote is amazing. Here it is. I would like to be president someday. So no, I've not smoked marijuana. I ate a brownie once at a party in college. It was intense. It's kind of indescribable, actually. I felt like I was floating. Turns out there wasn't any pot in the brownie. It was just an insanely good brownie. Just the way when she's describing that, like how her face is in like a euphoric state. And it just, it makes it so funny because obviously she's making it sound like she had Lay's brownies, but it's just like, yeah, there's nothing in there. So um, Leslie tells Tom that they will be doing a stakeout that night at 7 p.m. at the pit. 
All right. So uh, we're back in Ron's office. He calls April in and he asks her to get his lunch. And, you know, she's just like, what, like go to the store and get, or do you want me to pick you up something? And he's like, no, literally get it for me. And it pans out a little bit. His lunch is literally like, I don't know, three feet away from his hand, but he can't reach to get it. So clearly someone dropped it off and just like put it on his desk for him. So April is just like, you know, she asks him if this is like a weird power trip thing. And he does it. He just says, please, you know, so she knows he's not joking around. Uh, she gives him the food, but she uh, she leaves knowing that something's kind of like wrong. You know, she doesn't ask him anything, but she knows something's up. So this is one of the funniest Ron scenes, uh, uh, physical comedy, at least. And it's when he's trying to, trying to toss the, the hamburger into his mouth. So he is. Yeah, he's able to April slides it close enough to him that he can get one hand on the burger. And imagine your hand being like down on your lap. And then just trying to flick your wrist enough that you can throw an entire hamburger. So, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a foot, it, a foot of distance, not a, like a human foot, maybe a foot of distance trying to get the hamburger into your mouth. So, of course, it just like pathetically hits the side of his face and falls. It's it's so funny looking, too, because it's clearly a prop. So, like, the hamburger and the bun kind of stay together, but one side falls off. But it still looks fucking funny. So... All right, now we're over at the pit. Uh, it is dark out now, and this is where Leslie meets up with Tom, who's uh, got the work van, which is kind of funny because I didn't mention it before. But when she told Tom we're gonna go, we're gonna have a stakeout at seven p.m., she tells him grab the van and meet me. I don't think we ever see a work van again or grab the van, like a van that would just be unless they just you know city hall they rent it out to whoever. I guess it's not a big deal. It's just kind of weird. I, I never pick that up but it's like wait since when do they have like work bands that they can use so anyway uh she starts going through her supplies stuff that she brought and there's this is actually a running joke but this is kind of like i don't know maybe i'm like just crazy here but she hands tom a bag of gorp which is an abbreviation for good old raisins and peanuts because she's like talking about the stuff she brought with she brought like a cd with all different songs by people watching other people so like basically creepy stalker songs she's like surprisingly most of them are sting of course uh, i'll be watching you one of his biggest songs and then she's got like candy uh necklaces you know those disgusting th they're on like the kind of thin rubber band almost string and it's just like the candy jewelry that you just eat off and love later on andy eats the entire thing with the string in it because <laughs> he's like that is a string and he's like this one doesn't like, because he hasn't eaten in days, so he's starving. So, uh, anyway, back to the Gorp. So, the other there's other things in this series that rhyme with Orp for some reason that I have caught on to. Like, again, just watching the show enough times. Like, uh, of course, there's Zorp, the surveyor, who we'll get to later. He's the lizard god that Pawnee... Um, well, they, there's a cult that took over Pawnee for a while called the Reasonablest, and they still exist, uh, strangely, just... Uh, their numbers, uh, actually, their numbers are still pretty good. We find out in uh, the end of the world episode. Um, there's a point when Jessica Wicks calls Leslie, Leslie Norp. So another Orp there. Leslie says at one point that she has a niece named Torpal. There's another Orp. Uh, April tells Ron that someone named Forp called. This is uh, in, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and actually, I think with the captions on, I saw it was like Fwarp, like F-W-A-R-P, but it still sounded like Forp. And and it's it's just so funny. Like, that one stood out to me because 
he's like, who the hell is Forp? And she's like, I don't know. It sounded like Forp. He's like, did you take a message? No. Good girl. And then he just like crumples up the note and throws it out. And then in uh, season six and uh, season six and seven, when they go through, which is so funny to me, the law offices of it's like the company that Trevor Nelson works for, but it's like Babic, Foire, Dips, Pakoda, Eckstein. There, there's like seven of them. I forgot, but one of them is Vorp, V-O-R-P. And uh, yeah, so I just, I don't know. I always thought that was funny, like just weird words that they use. Uh, and we we know that Michael uh, Michael Shore loves weird ass names. He uses a lot of like P's and K's in his name. So it's awesome. Uh, Leslie then gives Tom one of her black hoodies because he shows up and he's got like bright colors on. She's like, oh, here, take one of mine. And he puts it on. He's just like, I'm kind of bummed this fits. <laughs> so Meanwhile, Anne is getting ready for her date with Mark, which again, since Leslie or yeah, since Leslie and Tom are on the stakeout, they're right by Anne's house. So I'm going to talk about Anne and Mark and it's like, why are you talking about them? It's like, oh, because Anne and Tom, they're, they're not like watching them, but it's like this just this date just happens to be going on at the same time. So Leslie can kind of watch it a little bit. So anyway, she's getting ready for a date with Mark. And she tells us a little bit about when her and Andy would go out, how he would always guess movie endings by saying the main character was dead the whole time, even when we saw Ratatouille. Of course, this is a reference to, well, tons of movies now, but The Sixth Sense was like the one that kind of brought it home for everyone. Great, great movie, by the way. Uh, Mark shows up to get Anne for their date. And when Tom sees this, he comments on how Mark can get whoever he wants and that no women ever turn him down. And it's kind of nice. It, it's kind of cool, actually. Leslie just like under her, like quietly, but happily, she's like, I did. And yeah, two episodes, that's when Mark wanted to sleep with her or it was he wasn't like attacking her, groping or anything. But it was like she was like, yeah, maybe you should go home, you know, and he just said, well, it's, it's not that big a deal. And then he kind of came to it and was just like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go home. And then he fell in the pit. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Leslie actually she feels kind of good in that moment that she can tell Tom it's like, well, hey, I turned him down. He can't get whoever he wants. Uh, back at City Hall, we see that Ron is still sitting in the same position. However, it is way past work hours because we can see the custodian uh, buffing the floors. And also just going by the timeline in this episode, we know that Leslie and Tom met up at seven o'clock and it was already dark. So if they're just going in that order, yeah, Mark or uh, uh, Ron has been sitting at his desk for probably like an hour and a half, two hours. Like I'm just saying the regular workday ending at five o'clock. So he's uh, he's still sitting there. Uh, we're back to the stakeout. Tom and Leslie shoot the shit. And we find out that Tom's birth name, because Leslie, again, she brings up where Tom is from and she thinks he's Libyan. And he tells her again, I'm from South Carolina. And she's like, well, where did the name Tom Haverford come from? And he tells her that his birth name is Darwish Zabir Ishmael Ghani, and that he changed his name when he got into politics because he was like, well, you know, a, a skinny brown name, a skinny brown guy with a, a funny name isn't going to go far in politics. And of course, she's like, what about Barack Obama? He's like, yeah, shut up. So, uh, yeah, like I said, Leslie still thinks he's Libyan. And this goes back to episode one or two when they <clears throat> they show there, yeah, she's just kind of introducing Tom a little bit. And she's like, yeah, I think he's from Libya. And then he tells us, I was born and raised in South Carolina and uh, his parents were born in India. So 
Suddenly, they see a man walking near the pit and assume it's the drug kingpin because that's I love that Leslie thinks this is a drug kingpin. She actually uses those words. And the the area in the pit where the marijuana is growing is like, I don't know, two feet squared. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, think of like the size of like a box fan that tipped over. So that's all it is. But yeah, she has to use the words uh, kingpin. And it's Andy, of course, Andy Dwyer coming by. So. Uh, they call him over, rest assured, like I said before, Andy is not the person responsible for the weed. Uh, he, like Leslie, though, thought that the weed was carrots. And so this is actually, maybe I'll, I'll get to this. I can't remember if I have this written down. So actually, I'll just say it now. This is what's kind of funny about this. And I guess it's as time goes on, Andy knows what weed is. Because he, in one of the later episodes, when Leslie and Ben come back from, the, from their honeymoon, they're holding, they get gifts for everyone. And Leslie says to, um, to Anne, she's like, hey, I got you some herbal tea that I got, of, like, got out of a guy's van. And then they kind of think about it more. And you realize she's holding like a big ass bag of bud. And she's like, oh, you know what? Uh, maybe that's not what I thought it was. So she just throws it in the garbage. And April and Andy both like look at each other like, oh my God, like, they're going to go for it. But like, I think April kind of like gives him like a reassuring look, like, don't worry, we'll get it. So it was funny. And, but I, I feel like Andy would know definitely what weed was. So Leslie jo uh, invites him to join the stakeout. And uh, I just love that. Andy's like, Oh, he's like, I can't, I'm supposed to have a rock fight with this crazy guy. Uh, but he's running like uh, 20 minutes late. So it's fine. <laughs> just the look that Leslie and Tom give him in between when he's, cause he's serious. He's like, I'm supposed to have a rock fight with this crazy guy. And he's like looking around like it's and Leslie. Yeah. Leslie and Tom just, their look is like, we associate with this guy. What the hell is wrong with us? So, and then, yeah. And he's just like, you know what? He's like 20 minutes late. So, okay. So uh, we're back to Ron's office where he is still in the same position. Uh, we did, uh, there was a part actually they cut back. I didn't mention it cause it was so quick, but it just showed him in there and the, like the lights went out cause it was, you know, motion sensors. So he's basically just sitting in the dark. So April has come back to work to check on him as, uh, again, she knew something was wrong from earlier. She offers to drive him to the hospital, which he takes her up on. He says, yes, that would be great. However, she has to go back home to get her dad's car since she only has her bike. So it's like. April is great in this episode in that sense. Like she really cares about Ron and she wants to help him, but it's like, she does things like, so it's like, if he's there and you knew something was wrong, why wouldn't you have the car? So it's like, she rides her bike and she comes back, but it's like so much later, which is what's funny about it. Cause again, she's just like taking her sweet ass time. Like she's doing something very nice, but it's like, yeah, let's, let's get some urgency behind here. So uh, back at the stakeout, Leslie and Andy, uh, they take a walk to go get Andy some food, which is like, it's kind of sad, actually. You feel bad for Andy because he's probably just been eating garbage and like whatever he can get his hands on. It's They play it for comedy and it is funny, but you still, and that's why I think like I love Andy so much is because he's just so happy-go-lucky about everything. Granted, he's kind of like pathetically stalking Anne still, but it's like, I mean, I, he's not doing it in a horrible way. So uh, they leave Tom alone in the van who accidentally, well, not in the van. They leave him with the van because he accidentally, accidentally locks himself out of the van. Uh, meanwhile, Ann and Mark return from their date and we get yet another awkward conversation with them with like, 
Mark's like, hey, uh, this would be a good time for a nightcap. And she's like, no, you're not coming in. He's like, no, 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 seriously. Go ahead. Ask me. Ask me if I want to come in for a nightcap. And she asks him and he's like, yes, I do. And then they both start laughing. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. So I like I hate this. Mark sucks kind of like he still has funny lines and stuff in season two. But like him dating Anne, that's essentially like what he just becomes. It's like Anne's boyfriend. Like and so I understand, you know, like why people didn't like Mark. It's because of stuff like this. But also they just they wrote his character so shitty in season two. So it sucks for uh, for Paul Schneider that he couldn't stay on the show. But I understand why he wanted to leave because it's like you're making my character suck. So um, they see Tom on the roof of the van. And I don't know what the hell he's trying to do, because maybe it's like the window is cracked. But since Tom's so short, he can't actually reach in to get the you know to jimmy the lock so he is he's like on top of it they know nothing about the stakeout they you know again leslie and tom are doing this secretively and it is dark out and tom's dressed in black they have no idea who it is so they assume it's a burglar and they call the police so meanwhile uh it shows leslie and uh, andy walking back and leslie reveals to andy accidentally that ann is dating mark and he just hilariously kind of falls over he collapses but leslie she has a tendency to do this throughout the series uh where she like inadvertently like my daughter natalie she it was so funny she said something today because we were getting ready to go by my parents and like we were all rushing to get ready and she like said something my wife was doing and like Joni just called down like natalie like kind of like shut up like why like and that's she did that to me the other day she got like not got me in trouble but it was like She's not like snitching on people, but she just comments on everything. So it's like she'll always just say something that you didn't think you had to tell her. Don't tell anyone, you know, and it's again, it's not bad stuff, but it's so just like, geez, will you shut up for a second? So, uh, yeah, like like I feel like Leslie does that and she does it with uh, Chris and Anne and the, the in season three when she's like, all right, mission accomplished. And. Chris is like, what do you mean? And she just had, tells him that her and Anne like set the, yeah, it was just like a stupid part. But anyway, so uh, we see a police officer cam uh, or a police cam show up like on the, or a dashboard cam, sorry, show up. And it's uh, an officer approaching the van and we can see uh, by his dash cam that it's 1123 PM. So now we're thinking, all right, this is, so they've been at this stakeout. This thing's been going on for about four and a half hours. Also thinking what's going on with, Ron and April, Ron is still sitting in his desk at 11.23 p.m. So now we're about six hours after probably like just six and a half hours at the end of the day, not including all the time during the day that he sat in that position doing nothing. So um, we meet Officer Dave Sanderson, played by Louis C.K., he tells Tom that he's uh, responding to a 911 call, but Tom, he just like starts being an asshole right off the bat. And it's like, I don't feel bad for Tom at all in this instance, because the guys that, like the officer, you know, uh, Officer Sanderson, he's telling Tom, listen, we got a call because you were breaking into the van. It's, I don't know, it's just a weird scene, like, because Tom, like, he just, I guess he's tired. He's probably cranky. He's, he's pissed off that he has to do this stupid thing with Leslie. But he's just, you know, immediately like, well, why do I have to show you my ID? I just told you who I am. And, you know, it's... So he gets arrested and he, he should. So yeah, he's just, he's being a smart ass and he's just like, I'm happy because he sucks too. So I like to see Tom get arrested. So um, 
yeah, his his actions did look very suspicious too, and he clearly is not seeing from that angle or that you know that point of view. So Andy and Leslie return to see Tom gone and the van being towed. Just then, Ann and Mark come outside, and it, dude, this is so funny. Andy like fucking books it, and he runs towards the pit. You know, just in time, they don't see him, but he dives like he gets major air. I mean, like it's so funny. He he just instead of just like running and maybe like kind of jumping down into the pit, he jumps like again does like a Superman dive. So he gets about five feet in the air and then probably goes down about 15 to 20 feet. They don't show him land. Thank God. Cause it would have been painful. So um, yeah, he does it. So they won't see him. Uh, we cut back to uh, the police station. Now, actually, I'm sorry, right before that, Ann and Mark are kind of saying, they're just like, Oh my God, did you see that? That's crazy. And then they're kind of like, Leslie, what the hell are you doing here? And she just like, doesn't really have an answer. She's like, eh. but um, I'm sure they talked about it because now we're at the police station where Leslie is being just as irrational as Tom was. Uh, Ann and Mark are trying to calm her down, but she's again, this is just that Leslie and Tom, like thinking that they are parks and rec employees, like that matters, you know, because yeah, it's because even when, uh, uh, sorry, Officer Sanderson, he takes Leslie to his desk and he tries to explain to her like what actually happened. She's still trying to play uh, pull like her government card. And she's like, I could have Ron, Ron Swanson down here in a second. And it's just like a funny cutaway scene. It just shows Ron sitting in the dark still. <laughs> you just hear like crickets chirping and then it cuts back. And uh, yeah, like. Leslie finally starts to calm down when she realizes that she has like no power, no pull or power. And uh, Officer Dave tells her it wasn't just his behavior. OK, I think your friend might be some kind of a pervert. No, look, that's what people think when they first meet him. But he's all talk. It's just no, no, no. I'm being serious. We searched the van and we found a lot of disturbing things. Some professional photography equipment and these pictures of some people on a date. We also found an enormous amount of manure. And a very inappropriate amount of candy. To which Leslie explains everything and uh, actually gets a little sympathy uh, from Dave when she tells him about the whole Mark and Ann situation. So they then agree to release Tom, the police. And Leslie says that she's going to stay with him. This is a good one. Yeah, Mark and Ann, they they asked if uh, Leslie wanted a ride home. And she's like, no, you know what? I better stay. Prison changes a man. He'll want to see a familiar face. <laughs> so good. And she's so serious, too. Uh, so now we cut back to Ron where April has finally come back. And I'm guessing at this point, based on Tom getting arrested around 1130 with booking and everything, probably a couple hours, two to three hours. So I'm thinking it's got to be like 2, 3 a.m. This is when April gets back. And um, yeah, so she uh, she tells, uh, she says, Ron, she just holds up the keys. She's like, I'm ready. And he's like, or she just says, are you ready? And he says, of course, I was born ready. I'm Ron Boop and Swanson. So uh, she then pushes him down the chair, down the, or in his chair down the hallway, like very April-like. So they're bumping into like every wall and bench and everything. And he's like, like, you know, grimacing in pain. But that's April. So it's pretty awesome that she actually came back for him. But it's just, I thought it was funny just in typical April fashion that she like half-assed it to where it's like, yeah, he's he's yeah, it's been sitting there all day. Uh, so uh, Mark finally drops Ann off at um, the at, at her house after the, the the police station, 
And yeah, this is why, uh, like I said before, I mean, you see a little bit more of why he just, he's annoying. Like he's just poorly written in season two and, um, his, his dialogue is cringy and pathetic. He's always like jokingly saying like weird cliche things. And, uh, but he has to like point out the things he says and does. So he's like, yeah, like when they're dating, uh, well, they date this pretty much this whole season, like for Valentine's day when he like keeps like, Oh yeah, you know, pretty pretty cool that I'm doing this. And hey, aren't I doing a good job? And da da da. And yeah, it's just ugh. so um, there. He walks into the door. He kisses her on the cheek. And uh, from from uh, <laughs> off in the pit, like a very sad, dirty Andy sees this, and he's just kind of sad. But it's awesome because he's just munching on one of the carrots <laughs> that that happened there. And so apparently there are carrots somewhere in the pit. Uh, the next morning, Tom finally uh, is released. Dave drives them back to their car. And uh, he checks on the marijuana plant, but then um, Tom says that maybe his actually this is a cool part because Tom, I think this is like one of one of my favorite lines from him because he actually says it sincerely because he can tell that Leslie is still kind of upset about the Mark thing. And out of nowhere, he just says he's like, you know what? He's like, Mark's an idiot and, and that Leslie can do so much better. And it, there's no like motive behind it. And he actually means it. So it's like. But honestly, like throughout the series, like maybe one of the best things Tom says based on just like the circumstances, him not doing it to gain anything, like him actually just being like, you know what, like I envy Mark and everything, but he's an idiot, like for, you know, what he did to you and everything like that, which he didn't do anything to her. But like for him, basically, he's kind of, you know, I don't know, in her mind, maybe leading, leading, leading her on a little bit. So. Um, uh, back to Dave, he comes out of the pit and, uh, there was no weed found. My guess is that Andy took all of it and just, you know, put it somewhere. Um, and yeah, that's, like I said, we see in season five that Andy and April do, uh, smoke weed because they, uh, from the part I talked about earlier. So that's the end of the episode, but we do get a quick tag, which is, uh, Tom interrupting Ann and Mark who are having lunch. And he sarcastically thanks them for calling the cops and making everyone think he's a pervert and he storms off. So again, then we just like immediately cut back to a rational Tom who's still, oh, thanks a lot, guys. It's like, Tom, we had no idea it was you. And yeah, he's just being like childish and you know. So anyway, so that is the end of the episode. Uh, IMDb. Uh, this one's an 8.0, which is the first uh, rating of eight or higher. Uh, so far with these reviews. So this is uh, the best episode so far, at least according to the fans. Uh, I don't have any trivia for this one because uh, pretty much it was stuff that we already talked about. Uh, like it said, this is where they tell you Tom's name for the first time. They tell you about the weed plant that I said my brother pointed out to me earlier. Uh, it was pretty cool. So um, yeah, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. If you'd like to contact me or the show, citizensapawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at citizensapawnee podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes every Tuesday. Next week, I will be covering season two, episode three, Beauty Pageant. Again, thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you next Tuesday. The song that plays when April and Ben are stuck in traffic is Shoop by Salt and Pepper.